Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Talking About Birds, the only Cardinal podcast that, like Andrew Kisner, is the captain now. <laughs> my name is Nate Heininger, and I am joined, as always, by my co-host, Ben Samorka. Hi, everyone. <laughs> and this week, we're going to talk about the conclusion of the Cardinals 19 games in a row streak. We're going to take a look at the roster construction and how the NL Central is shaking up. And we're going to check in on the upcoming series against the Pirates and the upcoming series against the Rangers. If you have an idea for the opening bit, tweet us at talk about birds. Hambone, you're uh, you're, you're wearing a a shirt that is very familiar to me. So uh, it's a little bit, a little bit of stolen valor. If you ask me, Uh, I think that's the perfect way to describe what I'm wearing right now. (laughs) So Ben is wearing the shirt that those of us who participated in the Cardinals 5k recently uh, yeah. were awarded for our commitment and dedication. Did you get it before or after you ran? That is not important in this moment. <laughs> Interesting. <then>. Okay. <laughs> hey, I'm just asking questions. Yeah, we were, you get it. You get it when you pick up your, uh, your race packet. So yeah, you don't oh. have to have run, but um, yeah. It looks good though, but you are you're supposed yeah. to uh you're supposed to earn one of those yourselves, although for the for the Rockies, not for the Cardinals. Uh, right. That's coming up, right? So about that. Um <laughs> we're so we're very stupid in our house. Um and, and unfortunately mm. I have to drag my lovely wife into this conversation <laughs> as well. We signed up, we paid, we donated our 30 bucks, packets, all that stuff. Um, and we had some travel going on. We've been working on the basement. Um, I've had some, some job stuff going on recently. We, we've had a full slate. Um, yeah. and Mary and I went, uh, we ended that week. Um, the, uh, on Friday night, the run was on a Saturday. We went down to the local brewery that is about, it's less than a mile from our house. And usually when we do that, you know, we, uh, tie one on, um, <laughs> wow. Had some uh, Native American tacos and about four, five, six, you know, big, heavy, meaty beers. Next morning, we both wake up at like 930, 10 o'clock and realize, oh, shit, the 5K is already started. We've completely missed it. And we it just it just completely didn't happen. I, I have no I, I don't we weren't even <laughs> thinking about it on Friday. Uh, you know, hence the, the, uh, the beer date, um, and woke up and it was the first thing Mary said to me. Um, oh my God, we're idiots. We just <laughs> donated $60, um, and did not run completely forgot about it. We had both been running, uh, in the gym around the neighborhood. Um, and, uh, yeah. So, uh, it just, honestly, I've never been more impressed. Uh, you know, you did the work, you put in the time, uh, congratulations on, on, you know, 
you didn't actually run it, but you signed up for your first 5K, which is quite yeah. an accomplishment. <laughs> One step forward, two steps back, I guess. I don't really know. I'm a better runner than I used to be, um, but I have no glory. I have no photos. I didn't get to touch the warning track. We didn't get to meet Dinger. Oh, <sighs> yeah. Dinger and I, honestly, they're looking for you guys, too. Honestly, I was just going to not bring it up on the podcast because I was kind of embarrassed by it. <laughs> but then right before we started recording, Nate asked me, so what's the deal with your 5K? I'm like, ask me on the show. <laughs> gotcha. You can't you can't pull that off. You can't sneak yeah. one by me. I'm always I watching. I know. So I, I think we'll we'll sign up for another one. It probably won't be a Rockies one because they only do one a year. But I, th- I do yeah. think we need to, you know. We need to check it off at least and, and go do it. But uh, yeah, so here, here I am in my shame. Well, uh, my brother and I have signed up for a half marathon uh, at the beginning of October. Uh, it's supposed to happen on October 1st, which means that the September 27th episode, sorry, September 28th episode of Talking About Birds will likely be the last episode of this show. Yeah, right. Because uh, I will be dead and buried by the time the next one comes around. <laughs> now, I'll keep going. I'll keep going. I don't need you. I think we should promise to each other right now, if one of us dies, you have to keep recording the episodes. for Okay, forever. Yeah. It's got to be. Yeah. All right, deal. Uh, I want to backtrack a little bit. Native American taco. What Ooh. is a Native American taco? Uh, so essentially what they do is they take fry bread. Do you know what fry bread is? Yes. It's kind of, yeah, it's kind of like a sweet, savory yeah. bread. And then they load a bunch of, uh, just like meat and fixins and fresh veggies and all that kind of stuff on top of it. It's like a fork and knife taco. Uh, it's kind of, it's mm. really like an open faced burrito. I don't know. It's hard to describe, <laughs> but the, but it's thick, you know, the, the, the fry yeah. bread is thick and delicious. And there's this, uh, um food truck that comes to that brewery every friday and most fridays we are there it is really really good nice yeah that sounds fantastic i don't think i've had anything like that and you said this is a uh food truck that specializes in just these or is it like that's all they make they make that and then they make like nachos like native american nachos classic native american food (laughs) it's really good nachos yeah (laughs) When I think of Native American uh, cuisine, I absolutely first think of nachos and tacos. <laughs> yeah, uh, they're fire. Uh, I mean, yeah, it sounds I, great. Yeah. That's, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. With my lily white ass ordering, I'm like, can I have one Native American taco, please? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but uh, man, they're fire. They're really good. That's very Denver sounding thing. It's it's uh, Denver nonsense. Yeah, yeah. for sure. All right. Well, uh, let's talk about some some Cardinal baseball here. So a stunning announcement or stunning, you know, stunning uh, development. Uh, The Cardinals have jokingly decided that Andrew Kisner is the captain after Willie McGee uh, uh, called him the captain in like a practice or whatever. Yeah. Funny, just clubhouse story. I don't know. But I thought it was... uh, I, th- I figured of anyone, this would just make you mad. So how are you feeling yeah. about Andrew Kisner as the captain of the St. Louis Cardinals? Yeah, and, and it should be noted that he has a, a, a C, the letter C screen printed on his BP warm-up top yeah. um, after being anointed. Um, I think, I actually, so I, I, I understand where you're coming from. I see why you could 
imp- or assume that this is something that would make me angry. Um, uh-huh. Well, most things make you mad. Most things so. do make me angry. Uh, yeah. And I- I'm more just mad about Andrew Kisner being on the team than anything else. I think really th- this cements an idea that we have talked about a couple of times on the show, though. It's like if you are a. I won't say bad player. If you are a non-productive big leaguer, but you are accruing at bats in the big leagues and you're getting these uh, intangible compliments like this, it, it this Andrew Kisner is, or sorry, he has solidified his pathway to coaching a big league team or managing a big league team at some point in the future. I think that's really what this is establishing is that Kisner is going to be the Cardinals manager or on the Cardinals coaching staff <laughs> in about five years. You can start maybe once his rookie contract that, runs out. Yeah, yeah. If that. Yeah. Cause he is, he's that guy. He's the clubhouse guy. He obviously is bringing something to the table that you and I can't see on a daily basis. Um, I'm definitely not seeing it even with his four home runs, which I know uh, C70 would bring up if he was on this episode. Um, but that that's really that yeah I'll leave it there that's all it makes me think um you know if you're not going to be a good baseball player you better work really hard and I think that's really what Willie is saying like yeah. this guy works his ass off he's just you know not as good as everyone because you you, you kind of have to have some talent to go along with that coming that, from yeah. somebody with no talent I yeah, want to be clear about that say. like wow yeah I, I'm standing on the shoulders of of no one here I'm just I'm kind of just you know you got to sleep through a lot of 5Ks to look this good. Well, I mean, <laughs> if you're just talking about my physical, I mean, I'm obviously looking fantastic these days. Oh, of, of course. E- everyone's talking about yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Actually, I think hey. I might just start recording these podcasts without a shirt on. I think that'll get our subscriber count up. I'm going to hard disagree, but honestly, we could take... At this point, we have to start leaning into gimmicks. Uh, so uh, it, it, it can't hurt, I suppose. Yeah. Uh, so I don't know, Ben. Andrew Kisner, 93 WRC plus. It's creeping up there. Every, you know, consistent playing time. Willie's not hitting very well right now. Uh, I think it's the spark plug that the Cardinals have needed. Uh, May ending with a, a winning record. Uh, hit, a couple, uh, <laughs> hit a couple tingers. I'll say I, I sure you say whatever the hell you want. Nate. That's fine. I, I it I, is done. It is nice to see that they seem to be having fun again, rather yeah. than like this weird public, not so infighting thing that had been going on for a while. The fact that like they're keeping it a little bit lighter and it's a little less doom and gloom in that clubhouse makes me happy. But uh, yeah, whatever. Yeah. I mean, it does matter. Like it was an incredibly awkward month uh, for fans and I'm sure it was for uh, the team too. So even just like, you know, they basically ended right above 500 for the month of May. And that's feeling like quite the accomplishment after, after how the month started. And I think you can tell just in the interviews and the general demeanor of the team uh, that they're feeling better. uh, And obviously winning fixes everything, right? Yeah. I mean, um, I'm feeling better because like of yeah. everything that's happening. Yeah. So I, it was I, really I, hard to be a fan there for a little while. Like God, it, yeah. Um, and I definitely feel for the teams. That's like, that's their entire existence as fans of, well, of a team. But uh, not, not to shit on the A's, you know, for absolutely no reason. But my God, that team. Yeah. 
yeah, if you're a fan of the A's, I mean, I think you've been given permission to stop paying attention and just yeah. turn it off and maybe come back as a fan, but maybe not. Um, yeah, that sucks. Yeah. Well, let's talk about the uh, the ending. So the Cardinals just played 19 games in a row, which we didn't really touch on in the last two episodes. Um, but that's a lot. Yeah, <laughs> that's a that's a pretty heavy stretch. And I think it's fair to say that you could see it by the end. I mean, most of the players were talking about it. Marmol was talking about it. Uh, it's a weird sort of hitch in the schedule. This happens from time to time. I think last year there was like a 20 something, uh, game stretch as well. Uh, maybe it was the year before, but I definitely remember the Cardinals. I think every team has to go through things, things like this. Yeah. And everybody tries not to use it as an excuse for poor play, but there is a reality to it. Um, you know, that, that first game against the Royals really felt pretty bad. And then even the second game against the Royals was really, you know, on the back of Miles Michaelis, who is feeling the 19 days in a row in a different way than the position players. Yeah. Uh, uh, but yeah, I mean, I think it's, I think like all things considered, it was a good 19 game stretch, Ben, I think you have a couple stats here. Well, yeah, I think, you know, to it, this is kind of, or sorry, this, this 19 game stretch, I think is going to turn out to be really important for the Cardinals season. Um, in the sense that this is kind of what began to turn it around. This is what woke up the offense. Uh, they went 12 and seven over that 19 game stretch, which I think if you would have asked us at the beginning of the stretch, if they would have gone over 500, you, we would have been, uh, no. we, we wouldn't have believed it maybe. And we would have been more than pleased with that outcome. Uh, yeah. Now, you know, it's frustrating that that didn't really do much to change the Cardinals place in the standings. But it did do a lot to change, I think, our outlook on the team, the projectability of the team, the offense. Um, and, yeah, I mean, I think that Miles, um, obviously, the performance last night was incredible. Um, he he saved that series uh, basically single-handedly and, and is starting to look really, really good. And Jack, over the same time, um, over the past 19 games in a row, Miles, Michaelis, and Jack Flaherty have ERAs under two, which is huge. The Cardinals just, they don't need those guys to run that kind of ERA forever, but they do need one or two, hopefully three of the starters to step up in a way in which they can, you know, remain competitive, maybe strike yeah. a guy out, maybe make <laughs> it past the fifth inning, you know, all of those things. Yeah. And while I don't think the pitching is fixed by any means, seeing Miles and Jack go long, accrue innings, and keep that ERA low is huge and cannot be, um, I don't know, under-talked about or, or whatever, yeah. under-appreciated. Yeah, they have to be able to win some games 2-1, to 2-0. to zero, Right. 3-1. to one. Like, you can't get through the season with every game that you win being six to four, eight to seven, you know, it, it's just not possible. And that's really what we were seeing. Even when the Cardinals were playing well earlier, it, it was not because the pitching was working just because they were just out mashing everyone. Right. In this series, we at least saw a few games where the Cardinals were winning some tight, closer games, uh, which is nice to see. And yeah, obviously like miles Michaelis. Now I think it's three games in a row, seven innings uh, or more. And uh, you know, he just looks a lot better. Uh, right. And Jack, I'm, I'm still like, 
a little hesitant to say, like, I, I still don't know what we're really seeing, going to see from Jack for the rest of the season. This might be it. These like periods yeah. of dominance and these periods of inconsistency. Um, but honestly, if he could just go six innings and it be somewhere between two to five runs, but he's making it six or seven innings, like, I think you take it. And then it, every once in a while, sprinkling in some sort of dominance, that's going to be an improvement for from what yeah. the first two months of the Cardinals were. Yeah, and then I think, you know, outside of the pitching performance, we saw Nolan, Paul, and Nolan. Um, well, Nolan Gorman has really been at it all season. Um, and yeah. Paul Goldschmidt has has mostly, you know, it's it's kind of depends on if teams are pitching to him or not, and he's had a couple of moments of his timing off. But Arenado coming alive, kind of having the big three uh, click in has been huge for the team. Um, and I believe that you can really exp- – make. Uh, well, I guess here, Lars Newtbar is arguing to be, uh, you know, one of the better offensive players for the Cardinals, and we'll talk about it in a second. But Wilson Contreras, I think, is is about to break out any moment here. Um, so you're talking mm-hmm. about a one through five, um, potentially more than that. That is all well above average offensive players, and they all kind of bring their own little flavor to it, you know, with left-handed power patience, uh, obviously the right-handed superstars. Um, the, the offense is just really starting to shape. And I think that seeing that happen and it kind of wax and wane over this 19 game stretch has given me a lot of confidence going into the rest of the season, especially when they're not met with, like I said, that 19 game stretch that just wearing you down and then also trying to dig yourself out of the hole. Um, you know, they started this, I think there were about nine, eight and a half games back. And now they're sitting at four and a half. They, they cut that in half in just about 20 games. That's, that's huge. Yeah. Well, and, uh, four and a half games back is kind of like you, you're considering yourself in contention all yeah. the way until the middle of September with something like that. And then we know the Cardinals have seven games against the Brewers in the last two weeks. So obviously you don't want to go into a situation like that where you have to win, uh, you know, five or six or seven of those games in order to take the division. But, you know, you've got that opportunity uh, that as long as you're within striking distance and the division continues to play out the way that we expect it to, where that's really what the final. Right. uh, You know, the final competition is, which I think it's going to be. Yeah. And and I think I I want to talk about some other stuff, but you you uh, good. Great segue. Wow. Um, I, I think we should talk about the Brewers really quick um, and kind of the division. Um, so over this time period, the Cardinals now own the best run differential in the NL Central um, at plus seven, um, which is, you know, you, yeah. you still wish it was higher than it was. But the Brewers are in the negative 20s. Um, and I was kind of curious of what's going on up in Milwaukee right now. And they've had a got they had a great start, super hot start, but they've had a horrible month of May. Um, Milwaukee has carried the third worst team RA over the month of May, um, with obviously obviously ending today. Only Oakland and Colorado have been worse, and this is their entire pitching staff. Um, not where you want to be. Not where you want to be, and arguably all the real only strength of that team, because um, yeah. the offense is what it is. Set starting pitching. It's the Corbin Burns, uh, Freddie Peralta, those guys that really should be carrying the weight of this team. 
Um, and the offense over the same time that month, they've had the 27th best offense in baseball, according to WRC plus. Um, so it's remarkable. They're been... still even over 500 it, it, for a full month, the third worst pitching and the third worst offense is, uh, it's pretty bad. You know, it, it is amazing. It's, it's truly, they're getting just extremely lucky in close games because their run differential is 216 runs to 242 runs allowed. This is a, by all accounts, this is a bad team that had a good start and a lot of low scoring luck games or not even luck games that went their way early. Um, and they were able to kind of, you know, carry that. So I think that all, you know, all that being said, the Cardinals should feel really good about being well under 504 and a half games back of the lead because the strength of this division is, um, you know, it sucks. Yeah. Uh, so if you're, um, you know, you're talking about run differential, there's an equation online. I see it mostly on baseball reference, but I think everyone kind of looks at it across the different sites, but it's the Pythagorean outcome, which basically tries to predict, uh, what your, what your expected, uh, record would be based off of your run differential, if that makes sense. So sort of like expected batting average and, and things like that. The other stats that we talk about on this show. And so I like Pythag because it does kind of tell you is the team getting lucky or not. And uh, so based off of the numbers been just shared, uh, the Pythag record for the Brewers is that they should really be 24 and 30. So yeah. They should be down in the basement with us. <laughs> right. Get down here. We're all down here. Yeah. I mean, uh, basically the record should be swapped. With Cardinals and Brewers. Yeah. Based on the play on the field. Yeah. Um, but, you know, Pythag is only it, it's it obviously, you know, by the end of the year, a lot of teams are pretty close to their Pythag record, but there's always the out, outliers. And yeah, and that's what uh, Ben's talking about with. Uh, close games are considered kind of a luck thing on who wins it. Um, especially, I would say that's been ramped up with the uh, new, not even new at this point, but the the zombie runner, which makes extra innings even more of a crapshoot than yeah. they or they weren't a crapshoot before. But home field advantage is a real thing for it's like a. Most sports home field advantage just comes from people screaming, you know, but in baseball, having home field advantage it, uh, in extra innings, like it's actually an advantage. Yeah. Uh, and so now you add in the chaos factor of having a runner starting on second and, you know, it's basically a crapshoot who wins an extra inning game. Uh, so anyway, yeah, that's I, I always find that interesting how like luck play is just such a consistent thing in, in baseball. So, uh, so yeah, I mean, it, all things point to the Cardinals, obviously not just only still being in it because of the records, but also being in it because there's no real good team in the NL central. Even the best team is, is bad. Yeah. And I no, the Cardinals are bad. Uh, it, it's unfortunate. <laughs> it's it's a fact. The pitching you you cannot say that they're a good team when the pitching is constructed as it currently is. Yeah. I was about to say 
the Cardinals might be the only good team in the division and they're fine, but I don't think I could assign them good ranking because the, so I, there's two pitchers on the stat on the entire staff that other teams would want right now if they are contenders. Um, yeah. And those I think are the better way to pitchers. I think it's probably fair to say is that the Cardinals are the only team with a real with an identifiable strength yeah. in the in the NL Central. And that is the offense. I think yeah. it, it the Cardinals have a, a good offense that is uh, maybe not showcased itself the full season. But yeah, I think it's pretty obvious that they have a, a competing competitive top five NL style offense. Uh but after that, everything kind of crumbles. You can't even say that they really have a good defense anymore because the outfield is exclusively patrolled by infielders at this point. So, like, yeah. it's, it's what even kind is of a, the defense anymore? Like, <laughs> yeah, it's kind of a mess. So, yeah, I, I think we, you know, we we are a positive podcast and we definitely are big time homers. Uh, but you, you, we're hitting the point of the season where you start to throw away small sample sizes and you can say, like, the team kind of is what it is and barring any uh, significant change, which we'll talk about here in a minute. Like it's, it's an average at best Cardinal team. And uh, if, but average might be good enough to make the playoffs with this bad division. And then once you make the playoffs, it's just, it's, it's even, you know, it's a random championship generator, right? So we shouldn't give up on the season and we shouldn't give up on the team because the talent is there that if they get lucky in the playoffs, this could be another 2006 or uh, even kind of 2011, right? The the two most recent Cardinal championships have come from uh, turbulent seasons, to say the least. Yeah, and I guess we'll see. And and again, I guess I want to get ahead of the outline, but we'll talk about does John Mosellock have the guts to make an impactful move? Uh, Um. No. <laughs> All right. Uh, before uh, any of that, though, wait, shut up, John. Uh, bye. Okay. I'll be God. back. Um, God, he's such a little sniveling weirdo. <laughs> uh, gotta go. <laughs> um, I want to bully John Mosellock. Like, I want to, <laughs> I want to take his lunch money and give him a swirly atomic wedgie, John Mosellock. Do you think that, uh, John Mosellock's boxers match his bow tie? Uh, yes. Uh, I do. <laughs> I was going to say, I think they're always like big, you know, money print boxers, but I, <laughs> yeah. I bet he's the type of guy who matches the the bow tie. Yeah. And it's just um, for him. You know, it's just his yeah. little secret. Do you think, do you think he takes his bow tie <laughs> off during sex? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh... <laughs> Yeah, no, no, of no, course not. No, 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 no. no. that's a, it's he, a, it's a power it. play. He yeah. tightens it. Yeah, puts on a second bow tie. <laughs> um, okay, <laughs> I want to talk about Wilson Contreras really quickly. <laughs> um, Wilson, what's wrong, buddy? Yeah, uh, man, yeah, we we like we've talked so much about Wilson Contreras on this show, and generally like a lot of praise. We're both big fans. Yeah. Um, but it is something that like when, when the hits aren't landing, it, it's not a attractive offensive profile. What he's well, not, uh, you know, and I think we should dive into that uh, just really, really quickly. So I think like you, you pull up the baseball savant page, he's still 81st percentile average exit velocity, 80th percentile hard hit percentage, 
70th ex uh, Woba. Um, he, he's got reds all over the place, right? Um, yeah. And he's, by the way, just while I have this up, he is a basically 50 percentile in framing this year, which is a really big step up. He was 25th percentile last year. Yeah. Um, so it should just be renoted, uh, re re said again and again that he is um, performing pretty well behind the plate. Now, the problem is the chase rate and the whiff rate. Those are both in the blue. Whiff rate is 32 percentile. Chase rate is 16 percentile. Basically, he's a free swinger, um, which we knew right coming into this. Right. Um, and, and I think we're fine with that because of all of those other numbers. If you're going to be a free swinger, but you hit the ball really hard, you can. there's a way to balance that where it works. But right now, on the season, Wilson's batting average is 219. We've talked expected numbers a lot this season because the Cardinals are just not hit, hitting what they should be hitting, right? Um, right? So his batting average, 219. Expected batting average, 264, which I think is a very respectable number when you consider his potential power output and catching. Slugging, his actual slugging is 359. His expected slugging is 462. That is over a hundred points difference. Huge difference. Huge difference. So I do think that um, maybe there's a change that he needs to make. I think that there's some luck that needs to happen. I think that the weather heating up in St. Louis is going to help him. Um, we all know that it's hard to hit home runs in St. Louis, especially when it is somewhat cold out. Once it gets into the nineties, the bars balls just starts flying a little bit better, even though it's still difficult. Um, so I think I I also know there's a stat. He has the most balls over a hundred miles per hour that have resulted in outs. So that's just not going to sustain that long. So I, I guess I say all this to encourage you, Nate. Wow. Have, exercise a little bit of patience. It's coming. Um, the captain, Andrew Kisner, should not be overtaking him in the catcher position. Um, and I think it's just, you know, we're all getting used to him. We hate seeing it. We just want to see him perform well and perform as the player that the Cardinals are paying for. But I really, really, really do believe it's coming down the line because he's doing everything right, except for except for striking out. But yeah, that's part of the game, like I, I already said. Well, and I do think your numbers around his improved defense can't be uh, overstated as well. Like, you know, we know for whatever reason, we we don't know exactly what it is, but the the Cardinal organization has not been always happy with him behind the plate. Some are saying it's pitch calling. You know, we've heard a little bit of different things. Some of it was just inaccurate grumpiness from our pitching staff being uh, bad, but I say all this to say the Cardinals are known for developing good catchers. Um, I, you know, we, I think we did luck a little bit out by happening, happening to have like a hall of fame, you know, catcher for 20 years, but even before way. that, uh, yeah, that goes a long way. But even before that, like Cardinals are good at developing catchers. So it might be that like his, most of his focus has been on improving his catching ability, which he has, which is awesome. It's rare that you see, a 30 year old catcher get better at catching. Right. So that's really cool. And then, yeah, the offensive stats, like he said, I mean, when you're a free swinger, these, it tends to go in streaks, just luck runs in streaks. Right. And so uh, I think we'd all be feeling really different about Contreras. If that, if he was even, so there was like a 40 point difference between his expected batting average and his batting average. Like if he's hitting 
245, not even fully hitting that expected batting average. I think everything looks a little bit better, let alone if you start increasing that slugging. Uh, so I'm not worried about him. Um, I just, I feel like almost at this point, like protect, like defensive of Wilson yeah, Contreras, right. you know, that like, because I think he got so much unnecessary shit that it feels important to like point out how good he actually is, even if he's not playing catcher every day, but we yeah. both think he should. And it can be fresh. Like, I think maybe this is even defensive of just like other Cardinals fans of like jumping on this guy because he hasn't performed up to expectations in the first couple of months of his Cardinals tenure. Um, And like we have over four more years of watching Wilson Contreras hit. So I I just yeah, I I yeah, I think you're right. I feel the need to defend him a little bit, even though um, he's an adult man uh, (laughs) who does not need an idiot to defend him but uh yeah yeah i think i think we're on the same page you think wilson Contreras ever slept in through a uh through a competition um no no i don't (laughs) (laughs) no no um no you know me and him are just built different and that's okay it takes you know uh champions come in all different shapes and sizes so uh i'm okay uh Hey, it's me, John. Oh I'm back. God. I was uh, really disappointed in that question you asked about my, me and my bow tie. Yeah. Uh, so uh, I'm going to have to shut down the podcast. <laughs> Just pay that tier, baby. Pay that Patreon <laughs> tier. Yeah. Motion swing it. Uh, okay. Um, you you didn't even say like ultimately or uh, you, you uh, don't even use his, his catchphrases. I'm all flummoxed. Does Man, he say I, that? <laughs> Moving on. You uh, suck. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, that wasn't me. That was, were you saying John Mazalek sucks? Or yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, yeah. Uh, you're great. Thank you. Appreciate it. Smart, uh, charming. People love you. You're, you're magnetic. I, I don't need this. <laughs> I know these things. Yeah. Uh, okay. Anything else you want to chat about in this section before we, before we move on? Um. No, let's move on. Okay. Uh, well, we actually have, you know, several more things that we can talk about, but before we do, we want to remind everyone that this show is supported on Patreon. It is listener supported, supported by listeners just like you. Uh, <laughs> we put a lot of time into making the show, bringing it every single week for more than a year now. And, uh, we absolutely love doing it, but we truly appreciate the support as well. Uh, so if you're interested in supporting the show more directly, consider joining our Patreon, patreon.com slash talking about birds, patrons of all levels, get access to our private discord. We call it the bird scored tweet, tweet, baby. We're having a good time in there <laughs> talking about, <laughs> talking about Cardinal, uh, Cardinal baseball, baseball at large, uh, running our fantasy league. It's, it's been a good time this year. So if you're looking for a place to get away from the noise and just chat with other Cardinal fans, uh, check out the bird scored talking about bird or patreon.com slash talking about birds. Also, uh, if you have a few minutes, pop open your favorite podcast app and leave us a review. It really does help. Thank you everyone. Ben, where can people find us online? Otherwise? Yeah. Pop that app and review baby. Um, also you follow us on Twitter at talk about birds. You can follow us on Instagram at talking about birds. Uh, we got a TikTok. find us out on TikTok. You can see our faces. You can see my lovely 
blue shirt that I stole from a friend. Um, we are on Spotify. If you'd prefer to listen to your spot podcast on Spotify, if you have any thoughts, questions, suggestions, uh, demands to end the show, you can hit us up at talkaboutbirds at gmail.com. Um, and if all that uh, too confusing, you can simply go to talkingaboutbirds.com to find all those links, Patreon episodes, uh, TikToks, all that good stuff. Talkingaboutbirds.com. Wow. Once again, that's talkingaboutbirds.com. Dot com. Yeah. We did it. We got the domain. <laughs> Somehow no one else had talkingaboutbirds.com. <laughs> no, I had, to, I had to pay a guy in Seattle 10 grand to get that. He's just sitting on it. He knew. We actually were the owners of it back in like 2013 also, and then let it all slide when we stopped doing the show. And it remained unpurchased again for the Shocking. entire time. Yeah, it's a good domain. I'm going to sell it to some bird watching uh, crew at some point. It's honestly smart. That's probably how yeah. we'll actually end up being successful from this podcast. <laughs> we get a cease and desist from a better bird <laughs> podcast, but we sell the rights. Yeah, uh, score. Yeah, I'll take it. And then I'll just make another podcast called something different. <laughs> Nothing. You can't stop us. That's right. Wow. We got the energy of people who sleep through competitive events here. <laughs> All right. Hey, I'm good behind a computer. <laughs> uh, I'm good in front of a computer. Ooh. All right. Uh, hard to work. Hard to work on when you're behind them. Unless you're like that's a how, repair person. That's how good I am. <laughs> Let's talk about roster construction. Yeah. Uh, so... Big news had to happen at this point. Yeah. Uh, but Steven Matz out of the rotation, at least for the time being. Uh, how are you feeling about that, Ben? Well, it's complicated because I think that you and I both like Matz. We like the Matz signing. We like his arm. The stuff should be there. Um, but the fact of the matter is he's not performing. Um, he, he looks bad. It's not yeah. going well. And and something I think you and I have talked about this. I'm not sure if we've actually talked about this on the podcast or not, but like I will say say as a uh, personally, it really bugs me when a baseball player for a team that I'm rooting for is demonstrably and obviously frustrated with the way that the game is going. If you're Jack Flaherty or something like that, you give a home run and you you uh, show your anger for five seconds. That's fine. But I swear he, we got like Eeyore on the mound with Steven, Matz. <laughs> just the way that he's yeah. kind of moping about right now. Um, which, which is that really neither here nor there, just a thing that kind of bugs me on a personal note. Um, but all the numbers are bad right now. Uh, I, I have his savant page pulled up in front of me. You don't need to do that. If you just look at his results, I mean, it, he's just not pitching well. Um, we've yeah. seen this stuff play up in the bullpen and we talked about this when the Cardinals signed him originally, he's at the salary level where it's not an ideal thing to put somebody like him in the bullpen, but it does not ruin your team. It fits into your roster construction in a real way. And if he can go into the bullpen and his fastball ticks up a little bit, and then he just relies on one or two of his tertiary pitches, then it's a good pitcher. And yeah. At this point, I'll take a good pitcher for 60 innings rather than a terrible pitcher for 150. Um, uh, so overall disappointed. Um, but I do think it's the right call. Honestly, I think they exercise maybe a little too much patience um, 
by moving him back there only now. Um, but, but maybe I'm just being a little reactionary. I don't know. Yeah. Well, you know, it, it definitely felt like it could have happened a couple weeks ago with, uh, you know, with how well Liberatore was doing in the minors. Yeah. Um, seems like he could have been called up, you know, even at, right at the end of April. But I, I mean, I do, I think you and I, we, you said it, I'll say it again. We both have been believers in Matt. So I, I've been generally supportive of them giving him additional starts because he, he has that profile of being a very effective starter. And he had such a weird last, uh, such a weird year last year with inner injuries that definitely felt like, okay, what he needs is that stability. Um, and if he was the fifth starter on a team that was uh, cruising, I'd say, let's keep letting it go because there is something there, but they don't have the luxury. Every game matters. You've got Liberator. Uh, let Matt's figure it out in the bullpen. I do agree with you about the demeanor thing. Maybe it matters. Maybe it doesn't. But pretty much every athlete talks about confidence being a key part of their success. And uh, it's hard to say that he was looking confident at any point uh, in, in, in the last in the last month, especially. But even out of the start of the season, it's been kind of mopey mats. And, and it's kind of a two way street, right? Like if you're if you're ex hitter. And you're going up to face Eeyore on the mound, you're going to get juiced up by that, and which is going to just take away. It's like this weird cycle. And I think like something that Adam Wainwright is great at is that even if his fastball sitting at 86 and the curveball's not snapping like it's supposed to, he does not show it. And I again, it's that's like how to quantify what does it all mean? Probably nothing. I don't really know, but there is something yeah. to it. And as somebody who consumes so much Cardinals baseball, um, it just like, you're like, well, well show up yeah, buddy. Yeah. You, you definitely hear a lot of different takes on like emotion on the mound. You hear, you know, I pitch mad and people can be into that, that, you know, I pitch, uh, with a sense of calmness. Okay. That's cool too. Uh, I bring a lot of energy to the mound. Da, 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 da. You almost never hear someone say, yeah, I pitch sad. Yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And like, so, you know, I don't know. I, there's definitely something there. You, you think of the, the great Cardinals pitchers over the last 20 years. Uh, Chris Carpenter mad all, all of the time. Matt Morris. Yeah has that dog in him. Uh, Jordan Montgomery, even when he's going, uh, looks like he could punch a hole through a wall. Uh, yeah. John Lackey. Um, yeah, there's just a lot of guys that fit that mold. And I think, uh, I think it's something that is appreciated and celebrated in the uh, St. Louis baseball, whether that's a good thing or a bad thing. I, I think we're all just used to it and, and, and we, we buy yeah. it. Um, I don't know that, that being said, I also like when Hennessy's Cabrera does his, uh, strikeout squat uh yeah. you know kind of deep thing squat too, so. yeah. yeah just just getting into it being being present and effective goes a long way <laughs> um maybe the effective part more than the present part but yeah yeah so so yeah. and before we move on from mats i think that you nailed it on the head though the, the real benefit is that the start should be going to libby um which i think you and i and, and all of cardinal nation agrees is is the right step forward yeah, when he got another start and it was okay, but still, like, I'd much rather take that and letting a guy like him develop 
rather than watching Matt's continue to struggle. Um, I think we all think the ceiling at this point for Libertor is far higher. And maybe even the floor right now is far higher for Libertor. Last week, we were a little up in arms about how Libertor was again being sort of messed around with. Is, is he a starter? Is he in the bullpen? Is he a starter? Kept going back and forth. It seems now that they've established that he will be in the starting rotation, at least for the foreseeable future, which yeah, uh, is good. So that all begs the question. The Cardinals, they just got done with their 19 days in a row. They now have two off days, which is in itself maybe even more bizarre than the 19 games in a row. But what this allows to do is the Cardinals can kind of reshape how their rotation should be looking going forward. Um, I I think we agree that Libby, uh, Libertor, whatever we're calling him, needs to be in that rotation. Um, But I, I guess as far as setting it up going into the future, I think. Miles should be our number one, Montgomery number two. And then I have no other comments to make because I don't really know what this should look like. And if I'm being totally honest, Nate, I'm not really sure what Adam Wainwright's role in the rotation is currently. Um, I think he's still he's only got 26 in the third innings. He's still ramping up, but he's got a 615 ERA. Um, He's not striking anybody out. He is leading the team in hits per nine, um, leading the team in whips or in whips in whip. uh, And uh, honestly, Adam Wainwright probably owns a lot of whips. (laughs) Like he for sure has a lot of whips. He he's not looking. And I don't mean like cool cars. I mean, like. Thank you. Straight up. I bet he has a cool. No, Adam Wainwright's an F-150 guy. He probably has a cool. Yeah, probably like four gigantic trucks. Right. Um, yeah, I, I don't know, man. Night. That's, that's <laughs> guaranteed to feel just right. Uh, I, it's right. a tough spot because it's way now, you know, they're going to let him struggle in the starting rotation way longer than they're going to let a Steven Matz struggle in the rotation. Uh, and Wayno is really good at explaining away and and talking about all of his struggles and what's working and what's not working. Um, but it does consistently come back down to like, I don't know. It'll be that like, I I'll find it. I got to find it. It'll be there next, next week or whatever. And uh, I don't know. We kind of saw this last year too. You know, he really struggled out of the end of last year and went into the off season telling everybody, I know exactly what the problem is. I figured yeah. it out and I'll be better next year. And then, yeah, he's been kind of ramping up. You know, he had that injury. Uh, He missed the first month, but he's also been doing this for 20 years. So it's I I don't think he needs like quite the ramp up period that other people do. I'm just concerned that the the stuff is gone, you know, and he's he's become a soft tossing righty, which he'd already become. But he was he was a tricky soft tossing righty and uh, no one's really falling for it right now. Yeah, it's um the curveball is still effective. Uh we know yeah. that much. The the curveball, the spin rate, all that stuff, it it's still there. Um everything else is reduced. And, and the curveball is reduced too. It's just such an elite pitch that even yeah. with his reduced form, it it is still highly effective. Um to the point where I'm almost wondering like why isn't he going a rich hill? Uh, direction where he is just throwing that curveball 
50% of the time. He, he's kind of gotten away from it a little bit this year, um, at least as opposed to uh, uh, other years in, in the recent past, um, dropped his usage of it. Um, but maybe he doesn't need all of those other pitches. Maybe he should just lean on this one elite pitch and keep them honest with a, a cutter uh, sinker combination, cutter sinker curveball, um, and just paint those corners. But I think, I think, I think something really, really needs to change. And I think he's got five starts right now. How many starts more is he going to get if he's running a six ERA? And I agree with you. He is Adam Wainwright. He is legacy. He is in his final season ticket sales. There's a lot of things wrapped up into the season for him. Um, but you gotta, you gotta make a change. You gotta adjust. You got something, something needs to happen. Yeah. I wonder, uh, again, this is pure speculation, but we learned last year at the end of the year that, uh, Pujols was very near retiring in May and June of last year. Um, he didn't want to just drag down the team and end his career on such a low note. Uh, but he decided to stay and then the rest is history. Right. Yeah. Um, and I think that's, it was his, you know, that was not being put on him by anyone, but it's his own like competitive nature and the, and his, his knowledge that he was hurting the team more than helping. Uh, and he, so he was considering leaving. I wonder if Wayno would do something like that rather than take a bullpen assignment or some sort of like reduced role. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Probably so, not because I think he'd like to stick out the whole year. And I'd like for him to stick out the whole year. You know, even if it is in the bullpen, I think everyone would would prefer that. But just, you know, yeah, thinking about the type of guy he is and then what Pujols had talked about last year. And I. OK, so if Adam Wainwright, if Adam Wainwright retires, who takes his position in the rotation? Yeah, well, that's part of why he he pretty much has as long a leash, leash as he wants would be right. my assumption. Because unless Woodford, Hudson, um, I guess maybe the later into the season we start looking at a Graceffo or a Jerpy, um, you know, a Zach Thompson. There's no one knocking down the door. Libertor was arguably right. knocking down the door to get in the rotation, and he's right. there now. After that, uh, I think we've got a lot of interesting options at the minor leagues. Uh, and probably one of those guys would stick and stick well, uh, but it would become again, that roulette of inconsistency. Yeah. It's um, yeah, I don't know. Um, the rotation is bad. So I guess that leads me to talk about John Mosellock again. Um, really, really oh, coming hey. up in this episode. <laughs> um, all right. So uh, when uh, Mo was asked uh, if the team is preparing to make any additions at the trade deadline, he said, I don't anticipate us selling at all. I think where our division is headed, it's going to remain very competitive, which LOL to that. Um, and then he goes on to say, so really, we're going to be looking at ways that can really help this club. Um, and I think based on exactly, you know, especially on the way this conversation has gone today, the only option is to add pitching. Um, and you hope that that is really adding starting pitching. Although I do think the Cardinals could benefit from any addition right now. Um, but it means, I, I mean, the, the I don't think that they can get away with a Jose Quintana, J.A. Happ, 
John Lester type deal this year. Um, I think it's going to have to be more in the Jordan Montgomery um, world. And I think that that really narrows down what it's going to look like. The um, I think the market is going to be really, really tough to acquire starting pitching this year. There are very few good starting pitchers on the free age uh, for uh, coming up for free agency. So I think that's going to motivate teams even more um, and everyone needs pitching. So it's great to hear Mosaic say that, um, but it's really, really hard for me to see a path right now. Um, and, and I will say, I, I, I've been kind of banging the drum. I don't know if I've said it on this podcast much, but in my brain and maybe to you go get Eduardo Rodriguez. Um, and he just had one of his fingers explode. Um, and it seems like he's <laughs> going to be out for a very long time. So yeah, now I don't know what to do. Yeah. It's a tough market. And we know the Cardinals like will not overpay, uh, which sounds obvious, you know, who, who, who says I will overpay. Right. Uh, but some teams have shown more of a willingness to take that incredibly risky trade, uh, that could be perceived as an overpay. Like the Cardinals clearly don't want to be on the side of any trade that immediately the entire industry is like, Oh my God, what did they do? Even if it might end up being a smart one in the long run, they are very averse to stuff like that. So and you're almost always going to be overpaying at the trade deadline unless you can find these perfect combinations of excess for excess like Bader for Montgomery was. Right. Um, well, it's going to it's going to be a high price and the Cardinals have a deep farm system. So the teams are going to not necessarily deep, but they have some some real names on there that teams are going to want. And they're I think you're going to have a hard time. Uh, bartering around some of these guys. Like we're all like, okay, let's trade the excess pieces. Let's trade a Burleson. Let's trade a Yepes. Uh, and I, I think those guys are all major league hitters and should be starters on teams. You can see why a team would be like, no, we want Mason win. Yeah. We want Jordan Walker. You want our ACE. We want Jordan Walker. We don't want your scrap outfielders who could be good, but haven't yet. Right. Like we're everyone tries to drop these trades where we just dump our fourth and fifth outfielders for, uh, you know, a starting pitcher. And most teams are not going to do that. They, you might be able to find something, but yeah, it's, I don't know. It's very murky to me right now. I, I think at the beginning of the year, I predicted that Dylan Carlson is going to be traded for a starting pitcher in, in some type of package. You feel I still free, feel pretty good about that prediction. He needs to get healthy, um, yeah. which is the other part of the Cardinals problem is that right now that all that excess is looking pretty thin. I mean, you look at the starting outfield and, and even some of the guys on the infield. This is not the roster you thought you were going to roll out. Um, what Tommy but, Edmond in center isn't what we planned. Uh, <laughs> um, no, at least we have Brendan Donovan. Uh, is waking up a little bit right now, which yeah. has been really helpful in, in making the team look a little less uh, like feckless out there on, on the edges of the roster. But um, yeah, I don't, I don't know. It's really, really hard to predict where that's going to come from. But I guess uh, I don't know. Good on for Mo for acknowledging um, that there's a massive hole on his roster. I suppose. Yeah. Um, by the way, if you want to see a fair amount of red, nothing crazy, but some a, a fair amount of red. Check out. Uh, Brendan Donovan's uh, stat cast. You're talking uh, about Donnie? Oh, yeah. Wow. Um, 
elite K percentage, elite whiff percentage, great walk rate. His expected batting average is a lot higher than uh, you would expect it to be. Uh, I think he's gotten a little lucky, unlucky. His expected Woba is in the red. Like there's some stuff in there that makes you think like, you know, we might see some, uh, some Donnie turnaround, which would be of course, very helpful. Well, um, do it then. Yeah. I mean, I don't know what else we expect when they like to say, you know, like we know what their, uh, what their MO is, um, was they like pun intended? Like they're, they're always, they're never go. I don't think the Cardinals are ever going to sell. <laughs> like, no. I feel like we could be down 20 games and they'll be like, well, we still feel like it's a competitive environment. Um, and so especially now we, we, the first half of this episode, we talk about how the Cardinals are still in it and in many ways might be the favorite still for the central. Uh, and so, uh, you know, it does seem like it's ripe for addition. Um, but we also know Mo doesn't ever do like overpay trades. So I don't know what anyone is expecting. There's in two months, I suspect that there'll be a, a couple more pitchers that have entered into the trade market and we'll find another you know, another exactly what Quintana and them were from last year. Like someone from the Royals. I don't know. When's Brady Singer a free agent? Uh, <laughs> he he know. is currently injured, but uh, maybe. <laughs> but you know what I mean? It's going to be a guy like that, right? Yeah. Keller yeah. From the um, Pirates. Yeah. I, I'm. I, yeah, that actually is interesting. Um, but yeah, I think I, I'm officially launching wild trade speculation season for the Cardinals. Um, it's probably too early. It's probably a month or two till anything actually happens. But I, I'm I'm kicking it off by saying this right now. Yeah, uh, Giolito is an interesting one. Giolito would be really cool. Um, honestly, a but lot even of he's kind of inconsistent too. But he at least probably goes deep and does give you uh, at least some degree of like upside. Yeah. Dylan Cease is having a down year. I wonder if that's like an interesting kind of uh bounce back, you know, go trade for the Cy Young uh, winner. Who's, who's having a bit of a downturn um, could be something interesting. Um, yeah. The, the white Sox, white Sox are such a weird team. Cause I could also see them clicking in and running away with the division. Um, it's right. just not happening right now. Um, all right. Anyways. Yeah. That's all I wanted to say. One other quick thing before we talk about the next series, uh, Jordan Walker said in an interview recently that he stopped trying to launch the ball, stopped worrying about launch angle and he has uh, kind of taken off. We covered that a little bit last week. I don't think he is actively defying the front office by any means, but I do think it's funny that he basically said if he's just continues to be the hitter that he is, he will start launching the ball as he gets more comfortable, which is, I think, almost verbatim what we suggested might happen on this show. Um, yeah. So I'm, I'm not saying this to uh, say, look at how right we are. I'm more saying this of like, he's a baby. He needs time to cook. Um, take him out of the oven at the right time. Uh, other, you know, cooking metaphors. Um, yeah. But he's like, a baby. He needs to cook. <laughs> classic, classic cooking metaphor. Yeah, I've seen how kids work. Um, uh-huh. I don't know. Let let him play. I, I want him back up on the big league club, especially yeah. when Brendan Donovan and Tommy Edmond are taking outfield starts. I just, just bring him back up. I agree. And yeah, I think a lot of people tried to lump this one into like 
another degree of bashing the front office for their poor messaging. Yeah. Uh, and I didn't really hear it that way either. Like to me, this was him more saying like, I'm getting in my own head with all of the coaching. Right. And I need while I'm in the box to stop thinking so much and just swing. Yeah. And let, and let the things that we've been working on actually come into play through practice and through my standard approach. Cause what he's not saying is that I'm not working on stuff and I'm ignoring the coaching. What he's saying is I need to stop thinking about it so much when I'm in the box. Yeah. Which I think is absolutely, that makes a ton of sense. Yeah. Right. Uh, so, and, yeah. and of course, you know, the kid doesn't give us a, a perfectly polished answer and everyone leaps all over it. Um, it's like, yeah, yeah. That, well, is, we're primed yeah. right now to hate the front office. So whenever, so yeah. when somebody comes out and says something that's like adjacent to bashing, uh, the front office, everyone's like, here we go again. Let's, you know, let's, <laughs> yeah. let's get them. Yeah, uh, and I get it, you know, uh, but uh, this one, I don't, I don't think, and it died pretty quickly. I think people get it, you know? Yeah. Um, and he's, he is hitting the ball really well again. Uh, still not really launching it as much as I think everyone is looking for, but, uh, you know, he's 20 or he just, yeah. he just turned 21. Cause he's still, I think 20. so I think I he think can buy a beer now. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, I just wanted at the major league level, like, if we're going to have three infielders on the outfield, might as well have uh, one of them be Jordan Walker. I run him out in center. Who cares at this point? If this is like <laughs> you just said, like, put just put him out there. Yeah. The more the more time that he is hanging out with Paul Goldschmidt, I think the better. Yeah, I agree. Well, let's talk about some of the upcoming games. So the Cardinals, after the two days off, have a three game series against the Pirates. Uh, pirates had quite the hot start to the season. They were the, the talk of the town, so to speak, uh, looked like everything was breaking exactly right for the pirates, but, uh, they've come back to earth a little bit since the last time we saw them even, uh, what are you seeing out of the pirates right now? Yeah, I think, um, I think the pirates did a good job at augmenting their team this year. Um, I think that they're going to sell off a lot of these players who are having a good year at some point. But um, Jackson Winsky, I think, is a productive major league hitter. Um, probably doesn't get enough credit for what he's doing. Connor Joe, same thing. Um, I still don't know why the Rockies got rid of him. Um, and uh, McCutcheon is back and, and is playing really well. Um, unfortunately for baseball, O'Neill Cruz is out, which we, we talked about this a while ago. He had that horrible crash at home plate and it is what it is. Um, and we were just talking about Mitch Keller. Those are really all the names on this team that, you, you know, are worth pointing out. Johan Oviedo is, is still, uh, chugging along, although not as hot as he was to begin the year. Um, but I think this is exactly what you said. It's a team that was kind of overplaying their ability, um, for the first month and the second month has been a lot worse for them. Uh, they have one, two, three, four, five, six wins. Um, since, Ooh, Oh my God. Since, uh, April 30th. Yeah. So they had a, like you said, super hot start. They've completely fallen off. Um, they are who we thought they were. Um, and, and it's just too early in the season to really see that show up. Um, we we're talking about run differential a lot earlier. They're basically 50, 50 right now. They have almost the exact same of run scored as runs allowed. And I think that's going to start tipping the other way. Um, but yeah, they're, they're not a good team. They had a great start. Yeah. Um, 
Which maybe Key Brian Hayes will bounce out. Um, yeah. Maybe Brian Reynolds will really get going. Um, not that he's been bad, uh, but he hasn't been great. Um, I guess, I don't know. I guess we'll see. There's enough names in there to provide an interesting game and, and they can win some games. But uh, generally, yeah, we expect them to probably end up uh, probably in fourth place in the division. They could compete with the Cubs, I think, for third place. Uh, but they probably end up falling down to fourth. Place yeah, this is I, all said and done. I mean, this is a team that had a hype video sent out when they signed Vince Velasquez. Um, <laughs> and, and I think like while I'm being mean, that's that's like a great way to describe the Pirates, right? Like, you know what? Well, he was pretty good, though, until he got hurt. He was part of why they were, uh, you know, playing so well. Sure, sure. Um, both both things can be true. Um, but yeah. Uh, yeah, I hear what you're saying. I think we would take a healthy Vince Velasquez, right? Now. <laughs> My God, yes, we would. Which is so annoying because he was just sitting out there basically for free, and the Cardinals yeah. thought, mm, nah, well, we're good. Uh, and then the Cardinals have a more interesting three game series against the Rangers. Yikes! Uh, yeah, the Rangers have been really building something. Uh, you know, I wouldn't say it's fully clicked. Uh, their, uh, ro- their rotation made of exclusively uh, boomer bust, uh, high-end guys, if they're healthy, has worked out kind of how you would expect. Uh, some are hurt, and the ones that aren't are playing pretty well for them. But the bigger story is their offense. Corey Seager is healthy, having a great uh, season. Adalas Garcia continues to surprise everyone and and hit the ball really hard consistently. He seems even better this year. Um, what are you seeing out of oh uh Josh Jung or Young is having a, a he, breakout year. He's Just the rookie like a, of the year right now. Yeah. Uh so, Marcus Simeon is fully back to his one of the best, you know, top ten uh baseball players in the league self. Uh Nate Lowe having a great year. Jonah Heim kind of this like came out of nowhere last year and has been really consistent. He's a great defender um, and a really solid hitting catcher um, that, that has good patience. Um, I mean, just up and down, this team is really good. Uh, offensively, they have the best run differential in baseball. Um, John Gray, their pitching is looking okay. John Gray's having a nice year. Uh, Nathan Eovaldi might be having the most under the radar solid pitching year in baseball right now. Um, I mean, they're just good. They're, they're a good team. I think that they've taken a step forward earlier uh, than everyone thought. I do think that um, Josh Young probably will take a step back at some point. Um, But, you know, when your team had like building a team around Nate Lowe, even though he's not a big name, Marcus Simeon, and uh, Corey Seager is a great place to start. And then when you have an auxiliary player like Adolis Garcia, like you were just talking, like that's starting to look like a really good team because he is, he has his flaws, but the things that he's good at, he's elite at. Um, yeah. And, and, you know, I don't, I don't say that to, to rub sand in the Cardinals fans wounds, but you know, he's it, good. He's uh, good. It, I, it seems to me, the obvious strategy here is you've got Nate Lowe. You've got Nathan Eovaldi. Oh my God. Put me in coach. Wow. Get me out there. Stack yeah. up the Nates. What other major yeah. league team can say they have two Nates? Uh, I don't think any. Yeah. Yeah. Nate Eaton I, is on the Royals. I track this stuff. 
Do you? Let's look at the Nate Big Board over here. He, okay. that? La- ladies and gentlemen, he's actually pointing off screen as if <laughs> he has something over there. Um, he doesn't, though. You don't know that. Um, okay. Uh, yeah, no, I guess there aren't that many Nates in baseball. It's kind of a, a name of a, a weak, uh, uh, sniveling, <laughs> low T. <tea. laughs> uh, but hey, they're in first place in the AL West. Which, they are. Uh, is it, you know, not that the, the, you know, they've got the A's over there, but outside of that, it's a, uh, a pretty tough division. So. Uh, you know, I think most people pick the Astros to win it and the Astros are coming on strong, but the Rangers are looking like one of the best teams in the AL West. So should be a challenge for the Cardinals. Uh, and with the way the season has been going, even the easy teams are still a challenge. <laughs> so, uh, this, this will probably be some high scoring games. I think would be the hope here <laughs> Yeah, and not just, uh, you know, high scoring on both sides and not just getting blown out. Yeah. I, um, I also think this might be the Cardinals first time going to the new Texas Rangers stadium. Um, I'm trying to rack my brain right now. I think that is true. Um, So I guess that's kind of exciting uh, as well. But yeah, I I think this is going to be a really, really tough series. Yeah. All right. Let's uh, check in with some news from around the league. What do you uh, got, yeah, not too much going on, but I did want to hit on the fact that uh, White Sox have activated Liam Hendricks, who actually came out and pitched in his first game since being don- diagnosed with non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. Um, amazing. He came out, hit mid-90s, didn't have a great appearance, appearance, but a man who sure. was battling cancer only a couple months ago came out and pitched, and uh, it's just amazing. Um, yeah. So good for him. It's it. Incredible. I think I said this before, but it's a testament to uh, modern science and yeah. uh, his, uh, you know, ability to be incredibly healthy and, and fight it. So yeah. uh, it's it's pretty remarkable. And I, not that it really matters, but a guy that I just like and has a, a like an electric personality and is yeah, interesting and has things to say. Yeah, it's just. Yeah. But so Baseball really better with him. Baseball is better with him playing for and, sure. Uh, we're very glad that he was able to get back to playing so quickly. Yeah. Uh, yeah and speaking of uh, pitchers that we are glad to see back pitching uh, Mike Soroka, who missed like three years of baseball two ruptured Achilles, all kinds of injuries uh, came back for the Braves and pitched his first game in over a thousand days. Um, so cool to see that. Um, this is like, somebody who I thought was going to be like the best pitcher out of that Braves pitching group. Um, but has just been injured. Uh, but he's back now. So good to just good, good to have those kinds of looks a life threatening injury and a baseball threatening injury. Um, uh, get, uh, uh, beaten. You know, I did not know this until this week, but Liam Hendricks's uh, non Hodgkin's lymphoma was stage four when they found it. Um, and obviously uh, it's it's a either. slightly yeah, it's a slightly less, you know, not not that we need to compare how terrifying cancer diagnoses are, but uh just amazing that he is doing what he's doing and um, you know, hopefully performing at a high level here very soon. Um Yeah. Moving on, uh the Brewers were told by MLB that they must make major renovation renovations to their ballpark over the next two years. 
Um, the renovations looking like they're going to cost four to five hundred million dollars. Um, the problem is, is the way in which the contract was signed with the city, uh, that the city is on the hook for this and the city is already at a deficit. Um, so essentially the way that this, this contract was signed, I think 2000, 2001, and a governing body was developed for the upkeep and maintenance of the, uh, the stadium, which is now called, uh, American family field, something like that. Yeah. Something yeah. stupid. Uh, Miller Park, American Family Field, whatever. Um, so I don't know what's going to happen with the Brewers. So essentially, this this group exists. Um, they have no money. The They are on the hook for about four to $500 million. And, the, and MLB is saying that they need to make renovations. So I don't know if this means that a new ballpark. I don't know if this means that a potential move is going to happen. But I, it seems, I don't. Well, I guess I don't really know because I can speculate yeah. wildly. But how is a group with no money going to take four hundred million dollars from taxpayers who don't want to pay for it, all because they signed a contract that was bad for them twenty plus years ago? Um, some something that we'll track. It's something that's very bizarre. But I guess we'll uh, we'll watch. Yeah, yeah, it's tough. Um, I mean, on the one hand, you'd say like, well it's a contract, like they're going to have to figure it out one way or another. Um, I would just say this further reinforces uh, why it's a bad idea to uh, combine uh, city tax laws with uh, billionaire buildings for athletics. You know, I think like most people, most cities are hesitant to sign these sorts of contracts anymore. Um, you know, not just because of the threat of the city going bankrupt, but like they don't really need the city's money for this sort of thing. Right. But they're now financially bound to it from a contract from 20 years ago. Uh, there's very little evidence that suggests that the city footing the bill for a stadium is good for anyone other than the billionaires who saved a bunch of money on their real estate. So uh, not to be like, yeah, 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 I told you so. But like, I think this is an interesting evidence point in like why you see so many cities rightfully now saying, no, we're not going to, uh, subsidize your entire building. Like there might be little bits here and there, you know, um, but it's just never, it is not the financial win for cities that no, they maybe thought it would be especially 20 plus years ago when a lot of these deals were signed. Well, and, and not to get uh, overly political, but it just really speaks to um, the way in which local government can be focused on the immediate win, um, uh, the win for that day or that year or whatever, and, and not really look right. down the road whatsoever. Because, yeah. Um, yeah, getting surprised by a $400 million bill does not sound fun. Um, especially when you're broke. Um, all right. I uh, declare last... bankruptcy. <laughs> uh, last bit of news. MLB will begin to produce Padres broadcast by itself. Bally has officially stopped producing Wednesday. The day that we're recording uh, will be the first time this happens. Apparently, they are partnering with local cable networks. Uh, it's going to be not blacked out on the MLB TV app, so you can sign up for that. Um, but it's starting this, this whole thing that we were talking about at the beginning of the year, the rubber is hitting the road. The Padres are going to be an example of what is going to happen next. The Cardinals are on this list. 
Um, we'll be very curious to see what happens here. Um, and, and I guess I'll just say again, um, if you are somebody who's worried about this and doesn't know what VPN is or how to set these various things up and you want help, please feel free to email us at talkaboutbirds at gmail.com and we will send you a, a, you know, internet uh, crap to, to make it so that you can watch your Cardinals or whatever other team you want to watch when and if this goes down. Seize the means of production. Uh, that I, uh, yeah, I mean, it's good. Yeah. I think it's good that the MLB is taking this over. Um, and yeah, it seems like what's probably going to happen is that the MLB will realize they can make a bunch of money just owning the production and output of the product itself. And so we're, we're just going to see this, like the MLB is going to start gobbling up each sort of contract as they yeah. can. Yeah. And it'll probably be a while before it's like fully, uh, you know, single owned, but, um, as long as the MLB like runs a good production, which I, I have faith that they will, you know, they're mostly just like taking over existing productions and stuff like that. Like it seems like a net win. Like it feels a little, little like dangerous having like MLB own everything. Um, but the alternative is having cable companies own it. And it's like, there's no way that's a good thing. We know that's bad. Right. So it's gotta be better with MLB. Yeah. I don't, I, 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 I don't know. I don't know. Um, they're not great at making decisions, but, uh, they're not, but at least they, they're like, they, the interests are aligned. They, Yes. They want, Rob Manfred they want, wants, yeah. yeah. Rob Manfred wants you to be able to watch baseball. Yeah. Like the networks don't really care. It's just like one product alongside all of their other products that they have to balance. Right. You know, if, uh, what was the, uh, the Sunday night game, um, with the Cardinals, the last inning was a hockey game. Yeah. You know, we were just getting the Stanley cup, uh, playoffs and it's like that's cool i get it as a like if you're just a sports fan and that's the it's a far bigger game than a blowout baseball game but still i'm like i don't want to watch the hockey game right <laughs> yeah, now i'm, I'm trying to this. watch the baseball game yeah you know right so yeah uh yeah and anyways that's all i got we will uh again be following that closely as more news comes out um uh, and I'm a big Don Orsillo fan. So as long as he's keeping his job in the Padres broadcasting booth, I'm happy. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, we'll see how that shapes out. Well, uh, let's go ahead and move into the last segment of this of the episode. Uh, so I thought it'd be a good time for us to check in on a little game that we played at the beginning of the season called Draft Day Heroes and Hatchlings Edition. Okay. Um, thanks again to Chris for that song. Uh, so if you've just joined us in the middle of the season, you didn't catch this in one of our preseason episodes, Ben and I played a little game. Uh, we call it draft day heroes and hatchlings edition. Uh, we are, uh, we, we did a draft. I had the first pick. 
we went back and forth. The rules were you could draft three people from the uh, 26-man and then three people that were not on, I think we, did we even say just not on the 26-man, right? Uh, yeah. Uh, but they could be on the 40-man, yeah. Yeah, and uh, so it uh, or didn't have to be 40 man, but it was right, right. like it was 26 man or outside of the 26 man. Yes. Right. Yes. So three and three. Uh, and at the end of the season, whoever has accrued the most fan graphs war wins. We did this last year and we tied, <laughs> which was insane. Uh, now, we eventually used a, a rule breaker or a tiebreaker of baseball reference which ultimately I believe led to Ben winning. So I thought we would check in now uh, and see how we're doing, sort of recap the draft and see uh, how it went. So um, Ben, I'm going to start with your team Smart. and we're going to run down it. Um, so Ben, you had uh, the second overall pick and with that pick, you took Goldie. Let's go. Uh, Goldie currently is leading the team in Fangraphs War at 2.1. You then picked Tyler O'Neill. Uh-oh. Who is currently at negative 0.3. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we didn't uh, even talk about him did. this episode. Not, yeah. not great. Yeah, that might be the trade candidate. We'll see. Uh, then you got Tommy Edmond, who is at Once. 1. Yeah. Slow and steady. So... Yeah, I kind of expected him to be higher, um, but he's, you know, it's it's been an interesting season for him so those, far. Those outfield starts are not going to help his war accrual. I, I will say that. Right. Yeah. Uh, and then for your Hatchlings edition, uh, you did Mason Wynn, uh, Guillermo Zuniga, and Jake Walsh. Now, <laughs> Zuniga did, yeah, well, Zuniga did get one inning. Uh, but he did not accrue any war for that. So you at least have one of them has made an impact on the major league level. They just yeah. didn't accrue any. So your total is 2.8. All right. Feel good about that. I did Nolan Arenado first overall, uh, which he's at a only a 0.8, which is just insane for Arenado. Yeah. Uh, well, I have a feeling he'll turn that around. I suspect he will as well. Um, after that, though, I had Nolan Gorman, which Smart has pick. been a good third overall with a 1.7. My third pick was uh, everyone's best friend, Dylan Carlson. Oh, so negative yeah. uh, 0.1. So not great. Uh, yeah, man. How, who who would have guessed that two of the, our top six picks on the big league roster would be, or would have a negative F war this far into the year. Yeah. With, I with, certainly with Dylan have. and Tyler. Yeah. Not great. Sounds like a last place team to me. Sure does. Uh, and then my hatchlings edition, I picked Matt Liberator, Gordon Graceffo and Moises Gomez. Hey, uh, so Liberator has accrued 0.2 F war. Yeah. So I have started accumulating from one of my hatchling picks. Uh, you know, how Nate, now that I'm looking at this, I should have got the first overall hatchling pick and you should have remained with your first overall uh, starter pick. Well, pick. The, 
I think the idea with the game is that is that you could have taken like you technically could have done a hatchling as your third pick instead of your major league level third pick. If you so I, I should have picked somebody who wasn't on the roster as opposed to somebody who was on the roster. And you think that would have been a good move? If you if that's what you're going to complain about in this moment. Yes. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Uh, uh, noted. We'll see if we remember next year. Yeah. Um, so total though, uh, I am at 2.6. So right below you, you're, yeah. uh, that Goldschmidt pick is, is carrying the team for you. Uh, it's not the first time I've said it this episode, but just bears repeating, uh, you suck. Um, yeah. Going to go ahead and disagree with that. Uh, we'll <laughs> see who, at the end of the year wins. I'm feeling pretty good about my Arenado Gorman combo. Yeah, that's pretty uh, good. The Nolans are strong. Yeah. Uh, okay. Well, that'll do it for this week's episode. Uh, thank you everybody for listening as always. Um, we'll be back next week. Consider checking out the Patreon, patreon.com slash talking about birds or talking about birds.com. Uh, tell your friends, tell your moms, tell your dads, tell your dogs, just talk to your dog about our show. <laughs> Okay. Start a journal. Start diarying about our show. Yes. So that when you die and your kids go through your journal, they'll say, oh, hey, listen to a uh, podcast about it, the Cardinals. It seemed to be some sort of bird podcast. <laughs> Smart. Yep. Uh, so hopefully the Cardinals have a good uh, couple days off and a good series against the Pirates and the Rangers. We'll be back next week as always. And until then, go Cardinals. Let's go Nuggets. Wow, you dropped that right at the end. <laughs>